You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, we are in for a real treat tonight. Uh, it's my great joy and privilege to invite Dan to come up. Why don't we give Dan a round of applause? Hello, Dan. How are you doing? Well, thank you. How are you? Excellent. Dan is, um, well, Dan will introduce himself, but Dan is a, a long-standing friend of our church, friend of ours, personally friend of mine. Um, it's a real joy to have Dan um, you were here for a while, weren't you? When did you come to Hull? Uh, what year? I don't know. 20, 2014? 2014. Yeah. Dan was a student here. And then he left, and we have been relentlessly trying to get him to come back ever since because he is a man of integrity. He loves the Lord, and we just love you so much. And we're thrilled that you have come all the way here just to preach just, tonight. Just for this, yeah. Just for this. <laughs> anyway, uh, can I pray for you? Please. Father, so thankful for Dan, God, for the word he's going to bring tonight for all that he carries. Uh, and Holy Spirit, I pray you'd come and fill him right now. Fill him, Holy Spirit. May his words be yours. Would you impart something? As he pours himself out for us, serves us, God, would you pour into him? I pray for anointing and power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hello there. Good evening. Uh, so for those of you who don't know me, Josh said about five times, my name's Daniel. Uh, I used to live here, I did the leadership year, I left about five years ago, and now I have the pleasure of living in London with my wife, Colette, and visiting friends, but Josh asked me to speak, and uh, I can't say no to him for some reason. <laughs> so we're carrying on this sermon series looking at the gifts of the Spirit, and I have the uh, amazing privilege of speaking on the gift of faith. And for those of you who like a, a road map, who like to know where we're going to go in the evening, we're going to start by looking at the gift of faith and what the Bible says that it is. Then we're going to move to how we grow in the gift of faith by looking at the life of Moses, a chap in the Old Testament. And then we're going to look how we go and minister in the gift of faith. Or if you prefer a, a three-part sermon series, three-part sermon, we're going to go or we're going to know about the gift of faith. We're going to grow in the gift of faith. We're going to go in the gift of faith. Uh, should we pray to start, please? I need it. Uh, Father God, thank you for today, for another day that we've had on your earth. And Lord, I pray that as we come and listen to your word now, that you would speak to each one of us individually, Lord, that we can leave this place looking more like you and less like ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. So the gift of faith is, in my opinion, probably unbiased opinion, is the most important gift in the passage in 1 Corinthians that we've been looking at. Each of the other gifts, as we press into them, require the gift of faith. It's the gift of faith that enables us to pray for healing, to ask God for miracles, to share the gospel as we go out. And as we look at uh, the passage in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, to 14, so chapters 12 and 14, we see Paul talking about that in two uh, places. The first is in chapter nine, or verse nine of chapter 12, where it says, uh, to another, Faith by the same spirit. So that's the gift of faith where it's mentioned. And then again in chapter 13, uh, verse 2, it says, If I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. The most spectacular miracles and manifestations of the gift of the spirit mean nothing if we aren't doing them in love, if we're not motivated by love of God. We have to work out 
of a place of loving God before we do anything else and we're not trying to glorify ourselves or put ourselves on his throne. The Bible tells us that the gift of faith, just to set that foundation, is believing God to bring something out of nothing. It is God stirring our hearts to believe the impossible. It's believing in something that you can't understand. And it's available for everyone. It's available for all of us here. Whether we've been a Christian for 60 minutes or 60 years, you can walk in the gift of faith. It's seen throughout scripture. However, it's very rarely called the gift of faith. It's very rarely mentioned that. It's not seen in name, but it's seen in practice. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to see how the gift of faith is worked out in the lives of people in the Bible. We have testimony throughout scripture that demonstrates that it's available to us and we have examples that show how we can grow and go and be used by God. So let's look at your boy Moses and see what he has to say to us, shall we? <laughs> the gift of faith is God, as I've already said, stirring our hearts to believe the impossible. It's believing in something that we can't understand. It's stepping out into the promises of God no matter what. Moses not only gives us a great example of someone who's walking by the gift of faith. He also gives us some helpful things that we can apply to our lives. If we look at Moses, he appears in the book of Exodus, which is at the start of your Bible, it's the second one in. Where he starts his journey is a far cry from where he ends up. When he starts, he's very reluctant to go and do anything. He tells God, no, send somebody else. Tries to convince God to send someone else. And by the end of Exodus, he is standing in front of the people of Israel, the whole nation, as their leader. And I want to look at how Moses went from having very little faith that God could use him to being that bastion of faith and obedience. So a clear example of this that we can see in the Bible is when Moses confronts Pharaoh, which happens very early on in the book of Exodus. It's if you've seen the film, The Prince of Egypt, that's what that's all about. Great film. If you haven't seen it, watch it. And what happens is Moses stands in front of the most powerful man in the most powerful country and stands up for the people of God, tells Pharaoh to let the people of Israel who are slaves in Egypt to go. And ultimately, there are several plagues that come down that um, Pharaoh eventually relents and says, okay, you can go. And in each of these points, Moses is stepping out in the gift of faith. He's believing in something that is unprecedented, that has never been seen before, whether it's the Nile turning into blood or uh, livestock dying all at once or, or locusts coming in. Moses is stepping out into the gift of faith and walking in it and ministering in the gift of faith. But how does he get there? As I've already said, he was quite pathetic at the start of Exodus. How does he turn into this this man of faith confronting and speaking truth to power. So I wanna, start, I wanna point to a part of the story. It's very important, it happens just before he confronts Pharaoh. Moses is walking through a desert and he sees a burning bush. And God encounters him by speaking through this, this burning bush and tells Moses that he wants him to go. He wants him to confront Pharaoh. And we, we join the story in Exodus four after Moses has just told God that he can't do this because he has a stutter, he isn't well known by the Israelites, and a lot of other things. So in Exodus 4, it says this. It says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And say, the Lord did not appear to you. So then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? 
A staff, Moses replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out his hand and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. So it would be easy to skip over this part of the Bible. It'd be easy to marvel at how powerful God is and the amazing things that he can do. But it shows us a very important piece of application when it comes to the gift of faith and how God uses it. It shows us that God in his grace gives us the chance to grow in the gift of faith. We need to step out and do it. We need to be taking steps of faith in order to grow in the gift of faith. We need to be taking steps of faith in order to grow in the gift of faith. I was recently on a flight to the US and while I was there I watched, or while I was on the plane, I watched all of the Indiana Jones films, uh, the time uh, flew by. And there's a scene in The Last Crusade where Indiana Jones is being forced by Nazis to uh, go through a bunch of tasks in order to get the Holy Grail, uh, which is the sort of fountain of youth equivalent. And one of these tasks is called the Steps of Faith. If you've seen the film, you might remember it. Indiana is stood in front of a chasm and he can see nothing in front of him. And in order to cross it, he just has to step out. I won't do it, otherwise this sermon will be a lot shorter than we anticipated. But he has to step out. And when he does so, he realizes that his foot lands on a bridge that he couldn't see. And as he takes that first step, he's able to cross the bridge and get to the other side and ultimately complete the tasks, as the hero always does. As we step out in the gift of faith, as Moses had to do when he threw the staff on the floor, God reveals more of himself to us. God, in his wisdom and grace at this moment, knew that Moses did not have the amount of faith that he needed to approach Pharaoh, to step in front of him. So he gave Moses something. He told Moses to throw his staff on the ground. Keep in mind that Moses and me and probably most of you have never seen a staff turn into a snake when we've thrown it on the ground. Moses didn't know what was going to happen. He just exercised the faith that he had. And by it, God was able to grow him and use him on the biggest stage imaginable. God was growing Moses in the small steps to prepare him for the much bigger to come. So how do we grow in the gift of faith? I'm glad you asked. We have to take every opportunity that God puts in front of us. One of the best ways I've ever heard about the gift of faith explained was as a circle. So imagine a circle, if I pretend I'm holding one or something. And yeah, there you go, there's my circle. And as we, as we step out in the gift of faith, the circle gets bigger. As we exercise the gift of faith, the circle gets bigger. We all have our own circle. We all have the gift of faith. And as we exercise it, we, we step out and we run our own race. We do what God has put before us. Our circle grows and we're able to exercise more faith with a, with a bigger circle. Yours is different to the person next to you, but you're still able to exercise faith as you walk uh, with God. And the best place to grow your circle, to exercise, is not the gym, is in church. The best place to apply the gift of faith to start with is in the church. Like I said at the beginning, 
The gift of faith is present anytime we pray for healing, anytime we ask for miracles, anytime we share the gospel. And if you're part of a small group, if you're part of this church, then you have the best opportunities to be growing in the gift of faith, to be stepping out, to believe that God wants to minister through you. You're able to pray for healing at the front. We might do that at the end. You're able to practice giving words of knowledge, prophecy, in a safe environment where people love you and if nothing happens or you get it wrong, no one cares. It doesn't matter. And as I was saying that, I just get the sense that there's, there's somebody here who's, um, as I was saying in small groups, that there's somebody here who's afraid to speak out in small groups. You feel that you don't have anything uh, worthwhile to bring um, when you're speaking in small groups. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a, a quote in one of his books where he looks at his uh, friends and how the different voices they bring impact each other. So he looks at his friends, John, uh, Roland, and, and Charles, and Charles dies, and he says how when Charles died, a piece of Roland was gone with him. And he's making the point that um, through participating in Bible studies or through talking with people, you might have something that illuminates something of God that another person hasn't thought about. So if you're here and you're um, afraid of stepping out in faith and speaking in small group, um, we'd love to pray for you at the end, if that's you. Um, Anyway, back to, back to where we were. God is able to use uh, experiences in our lives, in small group, in church, as we pray for people. He's able to meet us where our faith is stretched and to form us in the gift of faith, to help us to grow and contend and believe for things that are bigger than we could ever think of. What that looks like is, is where you are. But we shouldn't stop there. We, we can't stop there. We can't stop in these four walls. There are people out there who don't know that God loves them, who don't know that there is hope, that there is joy, that there is peace, that there is a plan for their lives. The gift of faith empowers us to believe in what God has given us and what God is doing through us and what God could do through us. Whether it's sharing the gospel with a housemate or someone on your course or someone at work, or maybe inviting someone to Alpha, praying for somebody on the streets, doing the leadership year, whatever it is, the church is the only society that exists for the people outside of its walls. And if we want to see power in the church, we need to be taking it to the people who are outside of the church, to be ministering to them on the streets. So one of the ways that I've seen this in my life, my, my father's a vicar, he, he still is, he works um, in Grimsby now, he's a, a Methodist minister, and one of his big things is his vision for reaching out to the poor. He's excellent at casting a vision for social justice and, and helping people on the streets. And they saw a lot of fruit from this ministry. There was weeks where there were 30 some people coming into the church and being ministered to, uh, encountering God through the love of people in the church. However, I was quite young at this point and I was terrified of these people who were coming in who, um, when they saw me on the streets, were, were a bit strange and they knew parts of my life that my friends didn't know and they would stop and talk to me and ask me things that my dad had told them. And I was, I was really scared of, of this. And when I came to Hull, I was like, right, I felt challenged by God to minister to people that I saw on the streets, to minister to people who I felt that I could help. Now this may sound like nothing to you, but to me this was the equivalent of standing in front of Pharaoh 
and telling him to, to let my people go. I spent a lot of time in prayer asking God for help, for faith to step out and do it. And in my first year, I was able to uh, take a very small step and help out at the, the soup kitchen, uh, the table uh, run by the church, and I ministered to people through that. And then in my second year, God uh, put me in DeGray Street, which is at the bottom of Newland Ave. So I had to walk the whole way up Newland Ave, walking past people, and there was no excuse for me to not minister to people as I walked past them. So going to lectures with my housemates, and I would stop and pray with people, give them food, make us late for lectures. And as I was, as I was doing this, I was, I was growing, and uh, God was using me. But I never necessarily saw anything. I would stop and pray with people and just believe that God was doing something in their lives. And then when I was back for my uh, graduation for my master's, so in uh, February, my family and I were getting food after, uh, after the graduation ceremony, and somebody tapped me on the shoulder in, I think it was a Greg's or something, and said, look, hey, do you remember me? And I said, no, I have no idea who you are. And he said, well, you may not remember me, but um, I remember you. You used to come and uh, stop and talk to me on the streets, and you invited me to a soup kitchen. I never came, but um, you used to pray with me, and that meant a lot. And um, I've not seen you for a while, but I just wanted to have the opportunity to thank you and uh, say that I've got myself uh, off the streets and I've been going to uh, Jubilee Church, which was down the road from where we are. God is using little steps of faith, even if we can't see what he is doing, and then by them he is growing us for more. I wouldn't have been able to talk to that, uh, that chap without God giving me smaller steps of faith for preparation. The gift of faith says that my God is with me, that I am not afraid. The gift of faith reaches down to the hopeless, to the discouraged, to the downtrodden, and it speaks a word of hope or encouragement. Sometimes we get to see the fruits of our faith, other times we just have to trust in God and in the formation that has happened in us. And as we, as we close, as we, as we come into land, I wanna focus on how we actually go out in the gift of faith. And we're going to focus on the culmination of the plagues that hit Egypt. So if you're unfamiliar with this, the Israelites are in captivity. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. We've just seen the, the burning bush that Pharaoh goes, uh, Moses goes from. And Pharaoh says no. So God sends a number of plagues. And the final one is the death of the firstborn son of everyone in Egypt. So Moses goes and says, Pharaoh, if you don't let everyone go, I'm paraphrasing. If you don't let everyone go, uh, the firstborn sons of Egypt will die. And the way that they were going to be saved is if, um, so the way that the Israelites were saved is by killing a lamb and putting the blood on the, the doorframe. That was what God told them to do. Now I want, to, I want you to picture two Jewish men in your mind. This is a very emotional high point of the story. It's, it's a very probably tense moment of the story. God is waging war against uh, Egypt. And there are two Jews, we'll call them John and Josh, easy names to remember. And then the day before the angel came and took the firstborn sons of the Egyptians, John turns to Josh and says, bro, aren't you a little nervous about what's going to happen tonight? And Josh says, no, God told us what's going to happen through Moses. You don't have to be nervous. Haven't you slaughtered the lamb? Haven't you put the blood on the doorposts? You've done all that. You've got the Passover meal. You're packed, ready to go. John says, of course I've done that, I'm not stupid. 
But it's still pretty scary when you think about it. All the things that have happened around here, there's been flies, a river turned to blood, and now there's the, the threat of a firstborn being killed. It's all right for you, you've got loads of sons. But I only have one, I've got my little Ed. And the angel of death is passing through here tonight. I know what God says. Let's hold it together, guys. I know what God says. I put the blood there, but it's still scary. But I'll be glad when this is over. And Josh responds, bring it on. I trust the promises of God. That night, the angel of death swept through the land of Egypt. Which one of those men lost their son? Neither. Good answer. And yeah, neither of them lost their son. Because death didn't pass over them on the grounds of the intensity of their faith or the clarity of the faith exercised, but on the grounds of the blood of the lamb that was on the doorframe. It is the object of our faith that is important, not the amount of faith that we exercise. It's the object of faith that is important, not the amount. The gift of faith is not a message of works. It's not a message of anything but God working through us. We don't get to heaven based on how many people we pray for. We don't get to heaven based on anything other than the grace of God. In the same way, when we stand in front of tests or tasks and trust in our own strength, we can't do it. We have to trust in the God who created the heavens and the earth, who made the seas. He is the object of our faith. Or if you wanna think about it another way, take the chairs that you're sat on. Regardless of whether you sit down and have faith that a chair will hold you up, it is irrelevant to the chair's actual ability to support you. We still sit down and we still trust that the chair is gonna take us up, regardless of how much faith we have that it will or won't support us. God is the object of our faith. He is the one who supports us, who works through us. We just need to step out and have faith that he will use us, trusting in him to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. It is not for our works or for our glory, but it is for God alone. He is the object of our faith. If faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains, we're not having faith in ourselves. We're not having faith in a, a five-step healing process or a four-step gospel tract or anything like that. We're having faith in God. These are, those are helpful tools, but we're having faith in the God who created the heavens and the earth, who parted the seas. Or as, as Jack Deere said, uh, if you really want to experience the supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit, perhaps the most important thing I can tell you is to put your confidence in Christ's forgiveness, not in your own godliness or traditions. The power for miracles does not come out of our godliness. Rather, it was bought with the blood of God's son. And all of this, all of the points from this evening are under the umbrella of prayer. That is the final thing of how we go out in faith. Prayer is vital. It's so important. It is the only way that we can go out and minister in the gift of faith. It is through prayer that we have a time where God can encounter us, where he can show us more of himself. It is through prayer that we ask God to heal someone, where we ask God to come down and um, meet someone. It's through prayer in the secret place that we're able to face the things that we don't, can't accomplish on our own, whatever that looks like. 
the great things of God are never material. They're always spiritual. There's no different for those who've walked in the gift of faith. Prayer is where the battles are fought. It's where the victories are won and it's where it comes in handy. For us to be trying to walk in the gift of faith without prayer and without relationship with God is like the, the SAS trying to storm a building filled with enemies without any weapons. Prayer is the engine room of our faith and walk with God. So let's pray with each other now. Would you like to stand? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And to stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.